Good evening, listeners. Welcome to the Nightly Crowd Catcher with Corey Bank. This is episode 26. I'm excited to be here with you all tonight. I am your host, and you're listening to WQEE 99.1 FM, the key attitude in Georgia. I hope everyone is having a great night. It's now time to enter the late night madness. The first game that we're going to talk about in the world of the MLB in our first story is the Los Angeles Angels versus the Toronto Blue Jays. Hunter Renfro hit a two-run home run in the 10th inning, and the Los Angeles Angels beat the Toronto Blue Jays 3-2 on Sunday to avoid a three-game sweep. To say this one was needed right now is an understatement. Angels manager Phil Nevin said, Los Angeles 55-51 trails Toronto 59-47 by four games in the AL wildcard race. Boston and the New York Yankees are both ahead of the Angels. But knowing that we could cut down on the lead that those guys have on us, it's really big. Closer Carlos Estevez said, every game is really important, but this one was a little bit more important than we faced throughout this road trip already. Renfro's 17th home run of the season came off Blue Jays right-hander Yimmy Garcia. It was the Angels' first hit with a run and scoring position in the series. But Los Angeles had gone over 27 before Renfro's one-out drive to left. But Renfro's fifth career homer in extra innings Drove in automatic runner Mike Wustakis from third base. I wasn't really trying to hit a homer there, Renfro said. I was trying just to make sure I hit the ball and get the guy in. I wasn't trying to swing for the fences. But with closer Jordan Romano on the injured list because of a sore back, Blue Jays manager John Schneider turned to Garcia for the third straight day for the first time all season. But it didn't work out so well. You're trying to put guys in the right spot, Schneider said. They just got the big hit. But shortly after the game, the Blue Jays announced they acquired right-handed reliever Jordan Hicks from the St. Louis Cardinals for minor league righties Sam Robertis and Adam Klovenstein, both at AA New Hampshire. But Renfro went 3 for 4 and drove in all three runs. He also hit a bases loaded sacrifice fly. He's batting 429, 12 for 28, with two homers and five RBIs in the past eight days, folks. Very good stats right there. But Hunter's really been swinging the bat well for four or five days now. Nevin said he's got that kind of power where he can hit. In the seats when it's not a full bore swing. But Estevez pitched the final two innings for the win. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. drove in an automatic runner and Bo Pichette with a leadoff single in the 10th. But the Blue Jays couldn't tie it in. Matt Chapman walked and Kevin Kiermeyer pinch ran for Guerrero. But Estevez struck out George Springer and Kevin Biggio before retiring Danny Jansen to end it. He's been a bulldog for us all year at the back, Nevin said, but Springer finished 0 for 5 and is hitless 
and 29 at-bats. The two-way Angel superstar Shohei Otani went one for three with a single. Otani flied out in the first, singled, and scored in the third, and was intentionally walked with a runner at second and two outs in the fourth. Mickey Momoniak popped up to end the inning, and Otani grounded out in the seventh against Blue Jays left-hander Genesis Cabrera. Otani came up with Louis Renfo at first base in the ninth against left-hander Tim Miza. When Renfo advanced to second on a wild pitch, putting Otani ahead at 2-0 in the count, the Blue Jays called for another intentional walk, and Renfro opened the scoring with his sacrifice fly in the third, but Eduardo Escobar flied out to strand two runners. And Toronto tied it in the fifth against Angels left-hander Tyler Anderson. Dalton Varsho hit a one-out double and scored on Whit Merrifield's single. Merrifield advanced a second on left-hander Moniak. But here's the thing. Anderson retired to Chet and Guerrero to escape the jam. The left-hander Matt Moore replaced Anderson after Varjo hit his second double in the seventh and Anderson allowed one run and seven hits. He walked one and struck out two. But as for Toronto, they loaded the bases with two outs in the eighth. But Moore got Santiago Espinal to ground into a fielder's choice. Blue Jays right-hander Jose Barrios allowed one run, six hits, and six innings. He walked two and struck out six. And Barrios has not won since June 24th against Oakland. Going six starts between victories, that's a tough pill to swallow. But they have to figure that out. Now we got our trainer's report. As for the Angels, outfielder Taylor Ward was placed on the 10-day list and had a facial fractures a day after he was hit in the head by a 91-mile-per-hour fastball. The right-handed pitcher, Alex Mano, but... Ward was taken to the hospital for tests, but was discharged Saturday night, and Nevin said Ward did not have vision damage. The Angels have a majors high 17 players on the IL list. But all in all, it was the Los Angeles Angels who took this game, folks, to the bank by the score of 3-2. Now we're on to our next game of the MLB news that we're recapping tonight between the Detroit Tigers versus the Miami Marlins. Garrett Cooper and Gene Segura homeward newly acquired relievers Jorge Lopez and David Robertson played key roles and the Miami Marlins beat the Detroit Tigers 8-6 on Sunday. Lopez got the last two outs in the seventh and Robertson closed with a perfect ninth and his Marlins debut for his 16th save. Garrett Hampson had a double, two singles, and two RBIs, while Garcia tripled and singled for the Marlins. Miami's Luis Arias went 0-3 with a walk, and his Major League leading batting average dropped to 377. You're going to have days like this, but Arias has been the heart and soul of this Miami Marlins team all year long. As for the Tigers, their star slugger Miguel Cabrera doubled, and walked in his last appearance in Miami. The 40-year-old Cabrera, who will retire at the end of the season, played his first five seasons with the Marlins. He 
He was replaced for a pinch runner after we reaching on a walk in the seventh and received one final round of cheers. To Cooper's two-run shot in the seventh put the Marlins ahead 7-6. to six. He drove a 1-2 pitch from Tigers reliever Tyler Holt over the wall in left center for his 13th homer. The Marlins increased their lead on Segura's solo blast in the 8th, and Detroit squandered an early 4-run lead and regained the advantage on Kerry Carpenter's 2-run single in the 7th to make it 6-5 to five the game. The Marlins erased a 4-0 deficit with a 4-run 5th against Tigers starter Tariq Skubal. Yoli Gurley hit an RBI single and scored on Nick Fortes' double, and Hampson then added a game-time two-run double. Skubal's outing ended after he retired Arias on ground out for the second out in the fifth, but the left-hander had faced the minimum through his first four and two-third innings before he gave up four runs and six hits. Cabrera hit a two-run RBI double that capped a four-run third against the Marlins starter, Jesus Lozardo, and put Detroit ahead 4-0. Spencer Torkelson and Javier Baez had run scoring singles in the early outburst, but Lozardo was lifted after four and two-thirds innings. He gave up four runs, seven hits, walked three, and struck out three. But Busquez throws his first pitch, and the former Barcelona midfielder Sergio Busquez really put that together. But in all in all, the Marlins made a roster move. The Marlins activated Garcia from the injured list and optioned outfielder Dane Myers to AAA Jacksonville. Now for our training report. As for the Marlins, outfielder DH Jorge Soler was given the game off, and Soler, who leads the club in homers with 24 in the season, is on a 12-game homerless skid that includes his 18 strikeouts. I'm sure he'll change that very soon. But all in all, in this game, it was the Miami Marlins who took the Detroit Tigers, to you guessed it folks, to the bank by the score of 8-6. to now, we're about to go into the NBA offseason. You don't want to go anywhere, folks. We'll be right back. Active Pest Control offers the best services and prices to protect your home, offering both monthly and quarterly pest control services, plus specific services like bed bugs, German roach, and flea control. Even if you can't see them, insects are all around you 24-7. Active Pest Control wants to be the first line of defense. Active Pest Control. Repair. Bond. Best termite coverage around. Active Pest Control, 34 Jefferson Street, Noonan, 770-954-9941. Want to give back to your community in a meaningful way? Cares for Kids is a Keller Williams Realty-founded charity in which 100% of money raised goes directly to children in need in our area. Cares for Kids helps fund local organizations like Angel's House, Coweta Casa, Elevate, and more. Help Cares for Kids reach their mission of serving 1 million children. Call 678-634-9770 today to learn more on how to be involved or text k for k Noonan to 44321 to donate.
This week's Property of the Week is located at 688 Cheatham Road in Griffin, Georgia. This 32.14 acre track is waiting to find its new owner. This property features a three bed, two bath home built in 1890. An 18 by 28 utility shed ran with its own power and water, fencing for horses and other livestock, and timber such as pine, oak, and pecan trees. Call 678-634-9770 for more information. Welcome back! You're listening to Nightly Crowdcatcher with Corey Bick on WQEE 99.1 The Key and Newton, Georgia. And now we're headed to our NBA offseason. So, in our first story in the NBA offseason, it's about the NBA power rankings. So the big trades on the offseason resulted in Chris Paul landing in Golden State, Jordan Poole, on the Detroit Pistons, and Bradley Beal on the Phoenix Suns. But free agency saw some big additions for the Houston Rockets, who signed Fred Van Fleet from the Toronto Raptors and Dylan Brooks from the Memphis Grizzlies. Meanwhile, the New York Knicks added another former Villanova Wildcat to their core with the signing of Dante DiVincenzo. The San Antonio Spurs arguably made the most impactful addition of the offseason in the long term by drafting French phenom Victor Wembanyama with the first overall pick. But will that change to in the NBA hierarchy going into 2023-2024 season? Well, that's what remains to be seen. And so we got our power rankings for our teams this year. As for the Denver Nuggets, they were 2022's record of 53-29. and They won the NBA Finals, of course, and nothing can spoil the Nuggets championship summer bliss, but losing Bruce Brown and Jeff Green in free agency are blows to their title defense. Brown was an integral part of their championship run, and his versatile style but Green's veteran experience, especially in the locker room, will also be difficult to replace. The Nuggets re-signed Reggie Jackson with hopes that he will play a bigger role of the bench. But Christian Braun is poised for more minutes, and Peyton Watson could have an opportunity in camp to enter the rotation. As for Denver, which also added Justin Holiday, hopes one of the rookies, Julian Strother, Jalen Pickett, and... Hunter Tyson can potentially be a contributor to this team. Number two on the ranking list, the Milwaukee Bucks. They finished last year with a 58-24 record. They lost in the first round of the playoffs in the East. But the Bucks were successful in keeping their core together this summer, bringing back both Brooke Lopez and Chris Middleton on multi-year deals to run it back with Giannis and Drew Holiday. But with a new coach at the helm, with their core four intact, Milwaukee once again expects to be in contention at the top of the Eastern Conference. Number three, we got the Boston Celtics. They finished the season 57-25. and Few teams made more dramatic swings this summer than the Celtics signing Jalen Brown to a historic max contract and swapping Marcus Smart along the heart and soul of the roster for 
Porzingis. The move raises Boston's championship ceiling, giving it a totally different look offensively than it had before and creating a completely different dynamic within the team. Only time will tell if it's a swing that will connect or will it miss entirely. That's what will remain to be seen for this Boston Celtics ball club. Number four on the list, we got the Phoenix Suns. They finished 45-37, and and they lost in the Western Conference semifinals. The Suns have a skill of a big three, as you'll find in the league, in Kevin Durant, Bradley Beal, and Devin Booker. Do they have the depth of a champion? James Jones and company made some savvy moves, adding Eric Gordon for the vet minimum and acquiring upside darlings and Bobo Yuta Wannabe and Meto. But Frank Vogel will have his work cut out coaching so many new players with this title expectation. Number five on the power rankings, we've got the Miami Heat. With their 2022-23 record of 44-38, making it to the NBA Finals last year, the Heat are in a holding pattern due to their interest in trading for Damian Lillard, who lists Miami as his lone preferred destination, prompting Portland General Manager Joe Cronin to declare that a resolution to the All-Stars guards trade request could take months. In the meantime, Miami lost a couple of key contributors to its NBA Finals run with free agency departures of Max Struess and Gabe Vincent. Number 6. We got the Philadelphia 76ers. They finished the year 54-28, and and they lost in the Eastern Conference semifinals. James Harden remains a 76er, and it does not appear that will be changing anytime soon. While Philadelphia has been quiet this offseason, so far, the top 7 guys from last year's team have been retained. A group that could see further gains with a significant step forward from Tyrese Maxey in his fourth season and tactical adjustments under new coach Nick Nurse. Number seven, we've got the Los Angeles Lakers. They were 43-39 last year. They lost in the Western Conference Finals. I said over and over the continuity was going to be important, but Lakers vice president of basketball operations and general manager Rob Palenica said after L.A. managed to retain Austin Reeves and Akamura and D'Angelo Russell in free agency, that after being swept in the conference finals, the Lakers are betting on last year's core, plus solid, if not splashy additions, in Gabe Vincent, Teron Prince, Jackson Hayes, and Cam Reddish to take the team to the next level. Number 8, we've got the Golden State Warriors. They were 44-38 last year in the 2022 campaign. They lost in the Western Conference semifinals. And what we have to say for them is, with the addition of Chris Paul is officially the member of the Golden State Warriors, yet it's still hard to imagine how exactly he'll fit in. He's most likely going to be the sixth man, whether he wants to admit it or not. But how will he fare in this discussion within the hallways of the Warriors headquarters. Number 9. We've got the Cleveland Cavaliers. Finishing 51-31 last year in the 2022 campaign. They lost in the Eastern Conference first round. 
after the franchise's momentum was stalled with a first-round flameout against New York. The Cavs have had a strong offseason from adding Max Struess and George Ninga to rookie Amani Bates, looking like a potential steal in Cleveland's run to the Summer League Championship. Still, the biggest question remains if the team can make enough strides next season to convince Donovan Mitchell to extend and to make the land his home. Number 10, we've got the Memphis Grizzlies. Finishing 51-31 on the season last year in the 2022 season, the Grizzlies hope that Marcus Smart, acquired from the Boston Celtics in a three-team blockbuster deal, can provide the blend of talent, toughness, maturity, and leadership that Memphis needs to make a deep playoff run. In some ways, Smart is being asked to replace both defensive stopper Dylan Brooks, whom Memphis willingly allowed to move on in free agency, and premier backup point guard Tyus Jones. And he was sent to Washington in the Smart deal. As for number 11, we've got the LA Clippers. 44-38 on the season. They lost in the Western Conference first round in, in last year. The Clippers continue to wait to see how the James Harden situation in Philadelphia works out with hopes of improving the roster with a trade. But bringing back Russell Westbrook and Mason Plumlee were important for Ty Lue's rotation. While it hurts having to let go of Eric Gordon for numerous luxury tax savings, the Clippers did good to acquire K.J. Martin, who adds youth and much-needed athleticism and energy, given the stricter CBA rules for tax-paying teams and lack of availability from their stars. The Clippers have interesting decisions to make with Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, both eligible for extensions this summer. Number 12, we've got the Sacramento Kings. They finished 48-34 in 2022 season. They lost in the Western Conference first round. Now the Kings, they were in free agency and they spent building cap space to re-sign Harrison Barnes and extend to Manus Sabonis. Rather than making a splashy trade, they did get Chris Duarte, who is a good addition, but is it enough for the Beam team to make the next big step forward? There's also no harm in running it back with the same team to see what this young group can do now that they have some experience and success. Number 13, we've got the New York Knicks. They finished 47-35 in 2020. To his campaign, they lost in the Eastern Conference semifinals. Now the Knicks, they upgraded their talent again in a moderate way this offseason, sending Obi Toppin to Indiana for a pair of second-round picks and replacing him on the second unit with Dante DiVincenzo on a deal for nearly the full mid-level exception. But adding a third Villanova guy to the Knicks, given how the first two Jalen Brunson and Josh Hart being in play went. Can you blame the New York Knicks for going that well once again? The wishy well showing that that is the case. Number 14, we've got the Dallas Mavericks. They finished 38 and 44 last season and they missed a postseason. And sign and trade an acquisition. Grant Williams filled glaring needs as physical forwards 
with defensive versatility and arguably the most encouraging summer development is Luka Doncic. Commitment to conditioning as evidenced by his frequent Instagram updates. Number 15, we've got the Oklahoma City Thunder. They finished 40-42. They lost in the play-in game in the West. Once again, the Thunder have used their cap space to pick up extra players and second-round picks as a dumping ground of sorts. But there will be two big additions on the court for them next year. First, Chet Holmgren will be available after missing all of last season with a foot injury. The Thunder also added former two-time EuroLeague MVP Vazadol Micic on a three-year deal. Micic averaged 16.5 points and 4.6 assists per game with the Turkish club Anudal FS last season. Number 16, we've got the Minnesota Timberwolves. They finished the year last year in 2022 of 42-40. They lost in the Western Conference first round, but the Timberwolves picked up Troy Brown Jr. and Shake Milton and lost Terrain Prince, but moves that shouldn't shake the standings much. For Minnesota, their success will be all about Anthony Edwards, Rudy Gobert, and Carl Anthony Towns. If they can find a way to build chemistry together and stay healthy at that point in time, that's what will remain to be seen. Number 17, New Orleans Pelicans. They finished a year 42 and 40 in 2022 season, and New Orleans is banking on the health of Zion Williamson and Brandon Ingram as they have mostly stood pat with their moves this offseason. The outside of drafting Jordan Hawkins at number 14. Cody Zeller to the veterans minimum and re-signing Herb Jones to a new contract. They haven't made any other moves. There could be one or two moves left though as the Pelicans are currently above the luxury tax by a little less than $3 million. Number 18, we've got the Atlanta Hawks. They finished the season at 41-41 and and they lost in the Eastern Conference first round. After years of being part of of fake trade ideas and trade rumors, the Hawks finally parted ways with John Collins this summer, which allowed them to dip below the apron and the luxury tax this season. The Collins trade also opened up a large trade exception the Hawks can use up to July 7, 2024. The deal freed up money that allowed Atlanta to sign DeJounte Murray, for a four-year, $120 million extension as well. Next, we got, at number 19, the Brooklyn Nets. They finished the season last year in 2022 with a 45-37 record. But the Nets got a deal done with restricted free agent forward Cam Johnson this offseason. Completing their biggest piece of business entering the summer. The question looming over the franchise now can it finally get some version of the Ben Simmons it thought it was receiving from the 76ers in the Harden trade two seasons ago? We'll see. Number 20. We've got the Utah Jazz. They finished the season with a 37-45 record. They missed the postseason. But the Jazz, they acquired John Collins and a salary dump from the Hawks. And coach Will Hardy is excited to plug the 26-year-old forward a few years removed from being a 2010 guy between franchise cornerstones Laurie Markinson and Walker 
Kessler, Utah is taking a patient approach, incorporating three rookies, three rookie first rounder, and holding on to it as a huge stockpile for a future draft capital. Number 21, we've got the Indiana Pacers finishing 35 and 47 in the 2022 season. A solid offseason for Indiana. They saw the Pacers, they saw that they would lock up centerpiece Tyrese Halliburton to a designed rookie max contract and make a splash in free agency by signing Bruce Brown to a two year, $45 million contract. Next, at number 22, we got the Chicago Bulls. They finished with a 40 42 record last year. The Bulls continued to retool their team around the trio of Zach Levine, DeMar DeRozan, and Nikolai Vujicic. Despite the fact that the organization does not expect Lonzo Ball to play during the 2023-24 season, still, Chicago made a few shrewd signings with the additions of Javon Carter and Torrey Craig to add some much-needed three-point shooting and bench depth. At number 23, we've got the Orlando Magic. 34 and 48 in the season last year in 2022. They missed the postseason. But Orlando added forward Joe Ingles this offseason to add some experience to a very young roster. The Magic also picked up two more lottery picks an Arkansas guard, Anthony Black, and Michigan forward, Jet Howard. But perhaps the biggest move Orlando made this offseason was promoting Anthony Parker to replace John Hammond, who moved into an advisory role. Number 24. We've got the Houston Rockets. They were 22-60 and 60 last year. A very lackluster performance by them. But they're now in phase 2 of the Rockets rebuilding plan. As dubbed by owner Tillman Fred Teda. Started with the hiring of head coach Yuduka. And continued by drastically outbidding the competition for veteran free agents. Fred Van Vliet, and Dylan Brooks. For the Rockets to achieve their goal of being competitive for the first time since James Harden's departure, young lottery picks Jalen Green and Jabari Smith Jr. needed to make a leap, and we'll see if they'll do so. 25. We've got Toronto Raptors. They finished the season at 41-41, and they lost in the Eastern Conference play-in game. The Raptors saw their team's leader, Fred Van Vliet depart in free agency for a deal worth $40 million per year. It was the latest example of Mr. Bet on Yourself having the strategy pay off for him. But though it left the Raptors in a lurch, Toronto's pick to replace him, Dennis Schroeder, is not the same level of player that you would find. But the Raptors are going to need even more shooting for this to happen if they're going to move on to the next phase of the restructure. Number 26, we've got the San Antonio Spurs. They finished the season at 22-60. and 60. Very tough year for the Spurs. But it's going to be all about Victor Wembenyama this year for the Spurs, who experimented with different ways to use the number one overall pick during his two-game stint in Summer League. But also the note, the Spurs are listing Wembame as a forward on the roster. Not a forward, a center, or a center. He'll certainly have his moments where he plays the five spot. 
but expect to see him guarding wings as well as he did in Las Vegas. Number 27, we've got the Charlotte Hornets. They finished 27-55 last season. Tough year for them. But with the newly maxed out LaMelo Ball at this point, the Hornets opt to go with wing Brandon Miller at the number 2 spot in the NBA draft. There hasn't been much movement for Charlotte outside of an ownership change on the horizon. The team will also have Miles Bridges back in the fold after he missed the entire 22-23 season because of a failing domestic violence incident. Number 28, we've got the Portland Trailblazers. They were 33-49 last season, the 2022 season. Very tough year for them. But the Damian Lillard trade, watch, continues to move at a snail's pace as the Blazers look to do what is best for their future with their franchise player. Lillard's camp has been pushing for Dame to go to Miami, but Portland general manager Joe Cronin is prepared to slow play this if he needed this. But if it takes months, if it takes a long time, the Blazers still sign Jer Jeremiah Grant back and and match Dallas' three-year, $33 million contract offer for Matisse Thibel. As the Blazers' point guard of the future, Scoot Henderson impressed with 15 points, 6 assists, and 5 rebounds before his summer league came to an end with a shoulder injury. At number 29, we've got the Washington Wizards. They finished the season at 35-47 and 47 last year. Tough year for them. But the new Washington czar, Michael Wign Winger, wasted no time in revamping the Wizards with the biggest move coming in the team finally parting with Bradley Beal for first-round pick swaps and a haul of second-round picks. The Wizards also traded Kristaps Porzingis to Boston but added Jordan Poole and Tyus, Yo Tyus Jones while resigning Kyle Kuzma the Washington rebuild is firmly underway, but at least the Wizards have committed to a new fresh direction. And to round out this projection, at number 30, we've got the Detroit Pistons. They had a 1765 season, one of the toughest seasons you could possibly have in a franchise. But even after hiring Monty Williams as a coach at the start of the offseason, the Pistons are still practicing patience with the development of their young core. Detroit added a few veterans, sharpshooter Joe Harris and guard Monty Morris to help complement a young team instead of any flashing moves to accelerate the rebuild process. That's what we have with our projections. We'll be right back, folks. Don't go anywhere with the NFL offseason. You don't want to miss it. Wishbone Fried Chicken is back in a brand new location. 31 Jackson Street, Sweet A here in Noonan. Same great taste. The best chicken around. Fish dinners. Open Monday through Saturday, 10.30 a.m. to 4 p.m. 
Dine in, take out, it's Wishbone Fried Chicken. Right next door to their former location, bringing you the best chicken around. So great. Wishbone Fried Chicken, 31 Jackson Street, Sweet A, here in Newman. Got mold? Call the Mold Man. Specializing in crawl space and interior mold remediation, encapsulations, and basement waterproofing since 2019. The Mold Man team takes pride in keeping your family healthy and your home mold free. Visit our website, themoldmanllc.com, to schedule a quote or give us a call at 678-227-9763. Hey sports fans, it's Rod Peterson here, host of The Rod Peterson Show, inviting you to join us daily for two hours of Atlanta's funnest sports talk right here on WQEE. I say fun because it is. You've never heard a show like it because we make the listeners a part of the show. Every day between noon and 2 p.m. Eastern, you'll hear plenty of the best sports talk, including the latest on the Falcons, the Braves, and more. And who knows, you might even hear you. That's the Rod Peterson Show, daily at noon, right here on WQEE 99.1 FM. Hey, sports fans. Weekdays, 3 p.m. Eastern to 5 p.m. Eastern. Drive time. WQEE. Braves Country is a Southern sports talk show with Mac McGee and the Armchair Quarterbacks. That's Braves Country with Mac McGee and the Armchair Quarterbacks. Weekdays, 3 p.m. to 5 p.m., right here on WQEE 99.1 FM. Welcome back. You're listening to a nightly crow catcher with Corey Bank. On WQEE 99.1, the key at Noonan, Georgia. And now, we're heading into our NFL offseason. And our first story is about a star running back requesting a trade. And it was denied by ownership. Next, Indianapolis Colts running back, Jonathan Taylor, who is seeking a contract extension that has not materialized, requested a trade from the team earlier this week, and has been awaiting a decision. An NFL source told ESPN on Saturday, Colts owner Jim Ursay, when asked later Saturday about the trade request, told ESPN the team would not trade Taylor. We will not trade Jonathan Taylor, Ursay said. This is a certainty. Not now or not in October. The news of the trade request, which was first reported by NFL Network comes on the same day Taylor and Ursay held on hour-long meeting on Ursay's luxury bus parked at the north end of the Colts practice field during Saturday night's practice. When the two emerged, Ursay declined to reveal the details of the conversation, but told reporters that his stance on a contract extension had not changed. We're looking forward to a great season and hoping Jonathan is a big part of that, Ursay said. We're looking forward to hopefully having Jonathan there, he added. But it was a good conversation, and I'm hopeful as we can go forward. But Ursay still insisted a contract extension is not forthcoming, at least at this point. But that's not something that we're discussing right now, Ursay said. This isn't a comment that has to do with Jonathan Taylor's situation. It's what my responsibilities are. I'm responsible for everyone on the team and to look at the cap money that you have and look at the contracts as you go forward. This is really insane. Jonathan Taylor 
It's one of the best running backs in the game. In my personal opinion, you've got to take care of the guy. He's been a workhorse. He's been shifty in the holes. He can be a game-breaker, and he has been. And he's carrying the team on his back. In that regard, he's a star player. But Taylor is entering the final season of his four-year rookie contract. He is scheduled to earn his $4.304 million this season, which ranks 18th among running back salaries in 2023. Speaking of Taylor earlier this week, Ursay told ESPN, when your time comes to get paid, then you get paid. Which I think is totally the time where I think he definitely needs to get paid, considering that he has kept your franchise afloat. Multiple sources have told ESPN that Taylor is extremely upset with his situation and there is uncertainty about whether fences can be mended between him and the team. Things perhaps intensified when Ursay posted a tweet on Wednesday taking aim at the changes to the pay structure proposed by some of the league's running backs. And Ursay clarified to ESPN the following day that his comment was not directed at Taylor. I don't really know if I buy that. But who has also vocal about the contractual slate of running backs? But last month, Taylor reacted to the frustrating financial developments at the position by saying, you see why guys get requested trades. I think it's tough on Tyler, on Jonathan Taylor's end to be able to announce this to the world. I personally don't believe he should have done that. But I definitely think he should be able to get paid. And it's really been tough for him and his team. But Taylor remains on the physically unable to perform list after offseason ankle surgery, which then begs to the question, this makes it a very tough scenario. Only last year he wasn't that really that durable because of his injury. But that might be the only thing that's really holding back what this is looking to. But he was a surprise addition to the list when camp started. But a source said Taylor legitimately still needs time to recover and the PUP decision is not related to this contractual situation. But Taylor, 24, has been in the Colts, has been with the Colts and the most explosive playmaker since the team drafted him in the second round in the 2020 draft out of Wisconsin. He led the NFL with 1,811 yards and 18 touchdowns back in the 2021 season. Unbelievable. Since entering the league in 2020, Taylor ranks in the top five in touches with 860, scrimmage yards 107.9 per game, and his scrimmage touchdowns 36, according to ESPN stats and information. The only player in Colts history with more scrimmage yards and scrimmage touchdowns in his first three seasons. Well, it is the Hall of Famer, Edrin James. So that begs the question to give you why Jonathan Taylor is such a huge asset to his ball club. But if I die tonight and Jonathan Taylor's out of the league, no one's going to miss us. And that's a comment that Ursay said Saturday. The league goes on. We know that. The National Football League rolls on. It doesn't matter who comes and, go and who goes. It's a privilege to be a part of it. So that's where they stand with Jonathan Taylor and his future 
with the Indianapolis Colts. We don't really know what's going to happen. They're just going to play it out. Will a contract come through soon? I'm not really sure. But we're on to our next story that we're going to be recapping on in the NFL offseason. And this is about Los Angeles Rams running back deciding to retire from the game. Two-time Super Bowl champion running back Sony Michelle has decided to retire on the opening weekend of training camp with Los Angeles Rams. Sony Michelle. What can I say about him? He played at American Heritage High School. He was an incredible player growing up. I know where he played in the Patriots. And he was a phenom. It's incredible and a testament that he is leading leading this and building this legacy for him. But not only that, in the Broward County community. But Coach Sean McVay announced Michelle's decision on Saturday after the third practice of camp for the Rams, who re-signed Michelle last month. McVay said they had a conversation that morning in which Michelle informed the team of his intention. Michelle, 28, was entering his sixth NFL season. After a four-year college career at Georgia, he won a Super Bowl ring in his rookie season with the New England Patriots, and he earned a second championship with the Rams three years later. McVay called Michelle the epitome of of a pro. I gotta tell you, I have to agree. We experienced this growing up. And a hugely instrumental piece for the Rams 2021 title team. What an incredible player. What a great career this guy had, McVay said. He added, it's a bummer. His body's feelings like it's talking to him. And I have nothing but respect and appreciation for the competitor that he is. And he loves Sony Michelle. Michelle spent last season as a backup with the Los Angeles Chargers before re-signing with the Rams. He was expected to be the primary backup to Cam Akers this season, but McVay said the Rams will now look to sign another veteran running back to join Akers and young players Kyron Williams and Zach Evans. Rams star defensive tackle Aaron Donald said he did not know of Michelle's decision to retire until he met with the reporters after the training camp practice. Donald said he and the Rams are still getting used to many new faces in the camp, but following a 5-12 and disappointing year they had. But right now, we're just trying to get back on top, Donald said. Obviously, we didn't have the season we wanted as a team last year, but now you're kind of looked over as a team, so I feel like we got something to prove. So that is the motivation right there that they have for this Rams ball club. We all need some type of fire. Something to push you. Something to get you going. And that is something that I'm hanging on to right now. I feel like we got something to prove as a team. I think I got something to prove as a player. But Michelle was a first round pick by the Patriots in 2018. And he scored the only touchdown in their 13-3 victory over the Rams in Super Bowl 53. He rushed for at least 900 yards in each of his first two seasons with the New England Patriots. And he added... 845 yards for the Rams in the 2021 regular season. Sony, Michelle, thank you for everything that you've done for the game. We appreciate you. Hard worker. Great person. Broward County is proud of you. And so is the NFL. Thank you. Now, we're going into our next story. And our last story of the NFL offseason. And this is about a free agent veteran linebacker signing 
with the Pittsburgh Steelers. The Pittsburgh Steelers signed inside linebacker Kawan Alexander to a one-year contract. The team announced Sunday Alexander, who turns 29 next week, visited the Steelers in May, but he remained a free agent as teams reported through training camp this week. He spent 2022 season with the New York Jets, starting 12 games. He had 69 tackles, 6 for a loss, and 1 forced fumble, and a half a sack. A fourth round pick by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in 2015, Alexander has 11 career forced fumbles, 8 interceptions, and 12 and a half sacks, and 1 interception. He was named to the Pro Bowl in 2017, and Alexander suffered serious injuries in the recent seasons, including a torn pectoral muscle in November of 2019 that ended his season early with the San Francisco 49ers. A year later, Alexander tore Achilles playing for the New Orleans Saints, but improbably he was back on the field eight months later. Very tough guy, a very gritty guy, and he is definitely a heavy hitter. He played in week one of the 2021 season, and in signing with the Steelers, Alexander joins a position group that was almost completely revamped in the offseason after the Steelers signed Cole Holcomb and Aylin Roberts in free agency. The only remaining inside linebacker from a year ago is a second-year player, Mark Robinson. Now, in our last story of the NFL offseason, is about a Minnesota Vikings pass rusher. He reaches terms of a new deal after a contract conflict that extended into training camp. The Minnesota Vikings and pass rusher Danielle Hunter have agreed to a new one-year deal that could pick up to $20 million, as sources confirmed to ESPN back on Sunday. Hunter will receive $17 million guaranteed, the source said, but Hunter can earn $30 million in sack incentives, and the new agreement prohibits the Vikings from using the franchise or transition tag on him next season. Sources said the Vikings had evaluated trade options for Hunter, who had skipped organized team activities and mandatory minicamp as he sought an increase on his $4.9 million base pay for his new agreement. Coach Kevin O'Connell said Saturday that he had spoken daily with Hunter, who reported to training camp, but had not yet participated after missing the offseason program. My hope is that we can work towards him being out on the practice field with us sooner rather than later, O'Connell said. Hunter returned last season after two years of injuries and recorded 10.5 sacks even after transitioning from a 4-3 defensive end to a 3-4 outside linebacker. Hunter and fellow pass rusher Marcus Davenport are both playing on one-year deals now with Davenport making $13 million. Now, we're about to transition to music news. You don't want to miss it. How do you make the most of your land? Everyone has their way. The Nelsons depend on their John Deere Gator XUV 835R to get from point A to point B with decoys and the dogs. As much as we got going on, it's all about efficiency. And if you ask the Mosers what they use their Gator XUV 590M for, they tell you. The most fun we have on the Gator is just repping around the property. There are millions of ways to make the most of your land. Learn how to make the most of yours at Deer.com. Nothing runs like a deer. 
I'm pretty handy around the house, but now that I have kids, I don't want to spend my Saturday installing a toilet or fixing an air conditioner. But thankfully, there's HomeAdvisor. HomeAdvisor helps me find the best home pros in my area to handle any kind of project. You can read reviews of the pros, check their availability, even book appointments online. And what my wife loves most is that HomeAdvisor is completely free to use. Go to HomeAdvisor.com or download the free app to get started. HomeAdvisor. I'm not going to lie. I know nothing about cars. And I don't really mind keeping it that way. This, it's cool. I called CarShield before my car broke down. Thanks to CarShield, I don't have to understand anything about what's broken. Because plans can pay for repairs on up to 6,000 parts of my car. Leave fixing cars to the experts and call CarShield before your car breaks down and maybe save some money for once. It's a thought. Call 800-579-6554. 800-579-6554. At Jersey Mike's, they slice your order fresh right in front of you. And let me tell you, watching that can send a rush of emotions through a person. Excitement, impatience, baby-like wonder, indecisive, anticipatory chewing, nervous pacing, happy claps, and finally, jealousy, because that's this guy's sub. I should order one. Good idea. Sliced right in front of you. It's a Jersey Mike's thing. A sub above. Welcome back. You're listening to Nightly Crow Catcher with Corey Bank. On WQEE 99.1, the Kia in Newton, Georgia. And now, we're moving into our music news segment. And our first story is about a original band member from a legendary rock band who is no longer with us in this world. Randy Mazener's founding Eagles bassist and sky-high voice behind the band's 1976 Billboard Hot 100, top five hit, Take It to the Limit, has died at the age of 77. The band announced on Thursday, Maisner died Wednesday night due to complications from chronic obstructive pulmonary disease. According to a statement from the band, Randy was an integral part of the Eagles and instrumental in the early success of the band. The band said in the statement, his vocal range was astonishing. And as it was evident on his signature ballad, Take It to the Limit, alongside Glenn Frey, Don Henlon, and Bernie Ladon, Maisner, born in Scotts Bluff, Nebraska in 1946, was a founding member of the Eagles band in 1971. Before forming the band, he played with Rick Nelson and the Stone Canyon Band and was the original bass player for country rock group Poco in the 1960s. Maisner was with the Eagles from their self-titled 1972 debut album through 1976's Hotel California before quitting the group in 1977. He was replaced by Timothy B. Schmidt, who had also succeeded in Maisner when he had departed the group to form the Eagles. The bulk of the Eagles' vocal duties went to Henley and Frey. But Maisner, the singer, led on one of the group's most enduring hits, Take It to the Limit, from the 1975 album. One of these nights peaked at number 4 on the Hot 100 in 1976 and spent 23 weeks on the chart. The band's longest charting hit on the tally. The song is remembered for Maisner's lofty vocals, 
especially toward the end of the song when his rise to the new heights. Mazner was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame with the Eagles back in 1998, and the tragedy struck Mazner's personal life in 2016 when his life, when his wife, Lana Ray Mazner, was fatally shot in the couple's Los Angeles home after an accidental discharge of a firearm, according to Los Angeles Police Department. According to the Eagles' statement, funeral arrangements are pending for Mazner. Very sad to see a legend from the Eagles going down. You will surely be missed, Mr. Mazner. Now, we're going to be going into our last story of the music news segment. We'll be right back. You don't want to miss it. When you really need something to get you through a long graduation ceremony, Trolley Sour Gummy Worms are there to give you a thrill. With varieties like Trolley Sour Bursting Crawlers, the worm's soft and chewy texture, surprising flavor combinations, and neon bright colors will give everyone a reason to celebrate. So when you want to notch the festivities up a couple degrees, Trolley Sour Gummy Worms are the perfect way for everyone to celebrate. Shop now for any trolley that crawls your way. This is Austin Black, and I am the host of Behind the Tunes. Have you ever wondered about the stories behind your favorite songs and the journeys of those that sing them? Well, each week, we invite you to go behind the tunes and step into the stories behind your favorite Christian artists that shape the landscape of today's music. Hey everybody, this is Andy Christman. Join me this week for worship as I play two hours of the best in modern worship music from churches and worship leaders around the world. And this week, my special guest is Blake Goss of New Spring Worship. See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I'm making ways in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. For us, that scripture came alive because he did a new thing actually in an old place. You don't want to miss a moment of this week's worship with me, your host, Andy Christman. WQE 99.1 FM, The Key. Home of Southern Sports and Talk. Noonan, Sharpsburg, Franklin. Welcome back. You're listening to the Nightly Crow Catcher with Corey Bank on WQEE 99.1, The Key out of Noonan, Georgia. And now we're on to our last segment of music news. This is about a hip-hop star getting a prized possession of a legend in an auction. Drake took to his Instagram stories on Thursday night to show off his historic new purchase, Tupac Shakur's self-designed gold, ruby, and diamond crown ring. Yes, I said it. It's very interesting for that to happen. In the photo that we have saw on the internet, the rapper has the ring on his index finger with the sparkling gems on full display. But... Worn during Tupac's final public appearance at the MTV Video Music Awards in 1996, the ring was on auction this week from Yasmin Fula, the late legend's godmother. Pac and Dada in 1996 is engraved on the on the band, referencing Tupac's engagement ring to Katada Jones. Sotheby's confirmed on Friday, that Drake purchased the ring for a whopping $1 million. A gold, ruby, and diamond crown ring 
It's incredible that Drake purchased this piece of jewelry that was really a time capsule of its time with the great Tupac Shakur. But everyone, thank you for tuning in tonight. Thank you, WQEE. Everyone, get home safe. Have a great night's sleep. We'll see you the next one. Take care, everybody.